0: Welcome to Christmas Sunday. Uh, I can't believe it's already Christmas Sunday. It's pretty amazing how quickly things, quickly the year has passed. We're going to start with what we have been doing for, um, for the last four weeks. Uh, we're going to start with a gratitude exercise and I think this is a wonderful time for us to be doing a gratitude exercise. I'm grateful for the kids, I'm grateful for the youth group, youth boys and the uh, Gregorian chant that they did. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, unexpected. Um, and we're going to start off by doing a gratitude exercise, which is very simple, as we've been doing, is to write down five things. I'm going to ask you guys very specifically, actually, five things in the past 24 hours. See if you can come up with five things in the past 24 hours that you are grateful for. And it will narrow down what you've been thinking about, The kids can do this as well if you want to help them, and you could just kind of interview them if they they can't write. Um, um, But if you need pens, James is here uh, with lots of pens. Yeah, so just raise your hand quickly, and uh, we'll get that for you. Thank you. You can begin to share with one another those things that you're grateful for go ahead and share with those people that are near you in groups of twos and threes just one or two of the items that are on your list So this is truly a time of the year in which we ought to be grateful. Um, Anybody find it easier for you guys as you do this more and more often? Is it easier or harder? How many of you would say it's easier? It's becoming almost easier. It's kind of like releasing that little bit of a gratitude muscle. You get a little bit more fit. And you start coming up with more and more things, I think. That's how it's been an experience for me. So it's been really great. So absolutely, yes. Okay. So. Good to see everyone. Good to see all the kids. Feel free to, um, if you're a parent, to take care of your kids as well Um, during this time. I think sometimes we take services as like something that's supposed to be like this really uh, controlled thing. And I just can't imagine that the services in the early church were anything like that. I think they were a little bit um, seed of the moment. I think there were kids involved. I think there were... Uh, random noises, I think there were um, people you know calling out different things, all that sort of stuff happening so the 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 actual thing of seated rows is such a roman in- invention you know and I just can 't imagine that the synagogues were all about seated rows and keeping keeping everybody in perfect lines so I think um, this is part of what we do. I am here with a little bit of a um, sermon illustration. I haven't done a sermon illustration as an actual visible physical illustration in a while. But there is that moment for most of us, I think. There is that moment when you find that gift for someone. You've been thinking and thinking and thinking about this. But in that near transcendental moment of inspiration, you find that gift and you know it's going to be perfect. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Have had that experience this week, perhaps. But now, the trouble is you have to get it in the house. And so there may have to be some subterfuge involved. Maybe you have it delivered like I do often, pretty much all of my shopping is in um, boxes from the internet, and for whatever reason, you know, they'll say something like, oh, what's in the box, and, and, and you have to say something, you don't want to really lie, so you say something like, oh, it's for you know, stuff that I need to do you know, that, or something like that, and they just kind of let it go, hopefully. Hopefully. Or you bring maybe a bag. It's for you. The gift comes in a bag. And um, and and, and you you actually go physical shopping. How many of you guys actually go physical shopping? It's like less than half the people. Some people love the physical shopping aspect. I, I was really surprised. So I, some of you guys pointed out, I'm wearing a very festive shirt, and it is on purpose. I actually went shopping for this shirt yesterday. Um, we, we tried Old Navy and, and uh, they didn't really have a appropriate shirt so we went to TJ Maxx next to it and I found this shirt and I said, that's the shirt, that's the shirt, I was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't in my size, it was a little bit bigger, you could tell, you know, I liked it, anyways, um, people go shopping, that's what I was, that was my takeaway. It's like, what, there are people in the stores, they're actually shopping, and so maybe you bought it at a store, and now you have to try to sneak it in the house. And for whatever reason, you get to the house, and like, you're home? You're home th- at this time of the day? And, and so you have to kind of like try to hide it uh, in in a, in a uh, in your clothing, underneath your jacket. Anybody ever do that? Hide something in your jacket, you know, shirt? You guys know this move to try to move it in, or you just kind of bring it in very You know, casually as if like, oh, I just, you know, is like Trader Joe's, you know, stuff. Try to do that very casually. You get it inside, but now you have to hide it. You have to hide it somewhere where they won't find it. So you put it in that secret spot. How many of you guys have a secret spot? How many of you guys have a secret spot? Eric is saying yes to all of these. He's like, yes, that secret spot is like, Gracie does not know about it. Anybody ever do this? How many of you guys have had your secret spot found? Somebody found it, yeah? <laughs> and then sometimes I even do this, I even have like decoy gifts set up, like decoy boxes that make it seem like, oh, it's in, it must be in that bag when in fact it's in the other bag. And then there are times in which in the past, I've I've been really clever because I'm kind of cool about this, because the really cool people will actually hide the gifts in plain sight. Right? Anybody ever do that? Just know. Some of you guys know. You guys are learning. Eric has done all of these things. (laughs) And normally Eric is just kind of like this. So I know he's like, "Oh, this is my sermon. This is a sermon for me. I believe there are two kinds of people in the world, and this is a deep, deep theological truth, there are two kinds of people in the world, there are the kind of people who like surprises, and there are the kind of people who don't like surprises, who hate surprises, who can't stand it and want to know right now what is in that box. Let me ask you. Um, How many of you would say that you belong to the I Like Surprises group? I Like Surprises group. Oh, not that many. How many of you guys would say, I can't stand surprises. I need to know right now. I think you raised your hand for both. Okay. No? Okay. Somebody here raised their hand for both. How many of you guys have a gift under the Christmas tree? Right now, and it's just bugging you right now to know that there is a gift for you under the Christmas tree that's wrapped up, and, and, and you just want to know what's in How many of you guys would say that? Yeah, you guys want to know. You guys want to know. Okay. Anybody ever, as an adult, kind of unwrapped a gift or figured out what it was and then put it back? Surreptitiously? Anybody ever do that? Eric? <laughs> so there's that thing that you feel when you find that perfect gift. And you bring it home, and you know you got the thing that they would, nev- they would nev- never, never expect, and yet it is perfect for them. So you wait until everybody has gone to sleep or everybody's left. And you choose the perfect wrapping paper. You find all your supplies. I got the wrapping paper out here. You get your supplies out. And, and, and you got the tape. You got the scissor. And you even measure it out. And, and you, you, you cut this up. And you wrap it up. And you're, you're so, there's so much joy thinking about, thinking about wrapping it up. And thinking about what they would think of. What, how they, Their face. Think about that person's face when they open it for the first time, how much joy it would bring to them. And, and you, you're putting it together, and, and you're just so excited that, you, that it's just such a cool thing, that moment when you... Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, no, okay. So, and you realize you cut it just a little bit off <laughs> you're gonna have to do an entire thing again, and and you're just off by this. Anybody ever experienced this as well? Just uh, cutting it a little bit too short because you were being cheap on the gifts, gift wrap, or you thought you were so good about measuring it. I thought I was so good about it. I even measured it out beforehand. I don't know what happened, and so you put it together, and clearly I don't work for Macy's or anything. The, and you, the, the idea of a gift that is a surprise to someone that you love, the idea of putting together a, 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 a package and the thought of that person opening it, you know, and you, put, you even think about maybe videotaping it so that you can capture it on, uh, and, and put it on your Facebook possibly uh, because you got those, you've seen those videos of somebody screaming at the perfect gift as they open it and this is really not looking very pretty. I thought I, was, I would be able to do this a little bit better than that, but, you know, you put a bow on it, and uh, it's okay. And some of, it's driving some of you guys crazy that I'm doing this. Some of you, it's like, oh, please let me do it for you. I, I understand that. Um, um, this is normally not how I do things, but clearly this will have to do because I'm going to have to get a move on in my sermon, otherwise it won't go. Anyways, but here's the present. I thought it was going to look so different for some reason, I had in my mind something a lot easier. But it's a lot harder to talk and wrap a gift, wrap, uh, gift at the same time. You guys know this feeling, right? And as you get older, it's supposed to be all about the kids. As you get older, right, it's supposed to be all about the kids. It's supposed to be all about the kids, but the grown-ups are not supposed to be into the gifts. But inside, inside, in all of us, there's that inner seven-year-old that gets so, so excited, still about the surprise of a gift. Not just getting what you want on that list, but the surprise of that perfect gift. So if someone happens to put a gift in front of you, and, and on the outside, you, you know, you're kind of like, oh, that's so nice, you didn't have to. But on the inside, you're like, Yes! And you're thinking, yeah, you might say you didn't have to, but you did have to because it's so awesome to get a surprise of a gift. And today I want to share with you guys some, t- uh, some thoughts on this surprise, what it means to have a surprise, because I believe there's something to the surprise that is divine. There's something to the surprise That is at the heart of the Christmas story. Because at the heart of the Christmas story is completely about a surprise. At the heart, you have the surprising story of a God who comes to us, who decides to come to us rather than make us come to him, make us worthy of coming to him. Rather than that, he comes to us during Christmas time as a baby in a little town, in a manger. Now this is a surprise because in the olden times, in the ancient times, This is not what they did. This is not what gods would do. They were predictable in their grandeur. They were predictable in the pomp and the pageantry with which they made their entrance. The Olympian gods had these fantastic birth stories involving the clashing of thunderstorms with lightning storms or these volcanic eruptions of fireballs coming down from heaven. The Mesopotamian gods would have stories of cosmic battles, of dragons and beasts going at it against each other. And then you gut the dragon and inside comes out this newborn God. Those kind of stories were what was expected. Gods thundered. Gods announced themselves. Gods came in through the front door bashing it in. But this story that we read in Luke This story that we read about Jesus every Christmas, that we find in our scriptures, is entirely of a different kind of a God. This God comes in quietly through the servant's entrance, through the servant's door. This God does not thunder, he does not bellow, nor does he make a grand entrance with, with a heavenly entourage. This God comes in quietly in the arms of a girl named Mary and a guy named Joseph who happened to be the two most common names in ancient times. And he's named Jesus, which is also another common name during that time. And this nondescript town and nondescript household with nothing around them except they can't even get a spare room that they have to place this newborn baby in a manger, in a feeding trough for animals. This story is of an entirely different sort of a God. This God comes quietly and humbly to fulfill the humblest of missions to serve everyone and that is unexpected. There was a surprise at the heart of the Christmas story. God sets out to save the world and God doesn't do it the way that we would do it. With billboards and press releases and a a Twitter campaign, he does it quietly. This is part of the reason why Christmas story is so compelling and it moves us so all the time. Because it is such a cosmic surprise that behold, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And he is to be good news of great joy for all the people. And he is nothing like how we would have imagined power to show itself. He is nothing like how we would have imagined our Savior to behave. But because this God comes along as Jesus, the baby who is born, who then heals, who, who teaches, who announces a revolution rooted in God's love and grace for all the people, all the nations, for all humanity. And because this God was crucified and then resurrected, it vindicates the truth that God had known what he was doing all along. So we can praise God. And this is at the surprising heart of the Christmas story. This is why, year after year, we're so drawn to these Christmas songs. These songs that we sing today are radical pronouncements about the nature of the universe. That's what we're singing. These songs declare that history has been changed forever in that day, in that moment, that death does not have the last word, that sin and disease and brokenness does not have the last word, But this God's love, this God's son, has come into this world to fix the world and set it back on its course, to restore and to renew it once and for all. So this story insists on being a surprise, and it all starts with the birth of Jesus, which is why these songs, these gatherings, this Jesus still matters, Underneath all of the hype and the commercialization of Christmas, underneath all the lights and the shopping, there is still something that draws you. There's still something that draws us to Christmas, something that still moves you to search for something real, something deep during this Christmas time. It is the possibility that this surprise is actually true for you and for me. I often hear people ask this question, and sometimes it gets posed more during this time of the year, which is, why does God have to be a human? Why did God have to come to us during Christmas time? Why couldn't God just stay in heaven and do everything he wanted to? Why, why was it necessary for God to come to earth? And I heard a great response to that this week. And this person said, it's easy for us to say that God is love. And then make that love out to be whatever we want, like unicorns and rainbows. But then God sends us Jesus and realize that love is hard. Love is sacrifice. Love is eating with the sinners and the sick. Love is trouble. In other words, Christmas is necessary because it says God's love is real. And has power to deal with all that this life can throw at us. That's the truth of Christmas. This Christmas story is the insistence then that Jesus surprisingly can be trusted with everything. So when you choose to trust him, his offer of life is, and life to the fullest and forgiveness, his offer for you to become a disciple, to have a mission, to have a purpose, to have hope in your life, it nudges you while it beckons you, it moves you to follow him, and your heart jumps at the chance. And when you trust him, you enter into a life of surprise. You never know where he will lead you. Things you thought would never change, change. Things you never thought that you could be free from, you become free from. Things you thought you could never be healed from, you're healed. And relationships that you never thought could be mended, you're mended. And over and over and again, you are surprised, because this God is a God of surprise. This love is steadfast and indestructible, but it is not predictable. I've been thinking this week about the stories of God's surprising love in our, in our midst, amongst us. Many of you guys have personal stories, I think. And I think hopefully one of the things that you guys are realizing as you guys are writing down these things that you're grateful for, as you're thinking about these things, is how many different ways in which God surprises you with his care, with his concern. You know, because when we don't think about these things, we have a tendency to bring up God mainly in terms of complaints and problems and things that that's aggravating us, that that we're frustrated about life. But when we take a moment and we take a breath, we can begin to see how God has actually given us so much and God is surprising us at every moment. And that's what we're learning to do. And that's what we're learning to do together when we do these gratitude exercises. And I think many of you guys have these stories of personal God surprising you personal ways in which God has surprised you in your life. I think personally in my family, there was this incredibly surprising way in which God allowed for us to have another niece, for Lucy and Max to have another cousin. Because everything about the system had shut out my sister and my brother-in-law. I told you guys this story in longer term, longer um, ways before. They had shut out my sister and my brother-in-law in Minnesota from adopting this girl who desperately needed them. But God had a surprise plan for them. And it really was nothing short of God's divine love that the, the three of them were able to find each other. I think about that happening in this past year. I think about other things that happened in this past year for us because I think about some of you and of how God used the rough waters, the things that you would never expect that God can use for good. And difficult times and use them to bring about good things. I think about sitting with um, Pastor Son just last month after her surgery for a burst appendix. Um, some of you guys visited her, I don't think, um, a little bit, well, I think you, some of you guys visited her a little bit later in the day, but when I visited her, I saw in the morning after the surgery... And, and I noticed immediately she sat there and she had like this full on eye makeup. And I thought, I was like, wow, that's kind of strange. And I pointed that out to her because Pastor Son normally doesn't wear that much, you know, it's like, this is like, this was like, you know, going out, clubbing kind of eye makeup. And I said, Did you put on eye makeup for your surgery last night? And she said, Well, yeah, and she said, Yeah, well, no, no, no. I was practicing um, putting on eye makeup for the wedding when I. Before, write it before I went to the doctor, and little did I know, going to the doctor that it was going to be a burst appendix, and that I was going to have to stay at the hospital for the next six days. This was completely unexpected, this burst inspe- uh, appendix, as you guys know. But our conversation quickly turned into being grateful, not so much for the eye makeup. story but as much uh, but for how God used even this moment this burst appendix this unexpected wrong turn it looks so much like to bring about good things and that's her story so I'm gonna let her share the details of that I think about some of you guys and some of your lives and some of your relationships and some of your marriages even. And I know that for many of you guys, your relationships, your, your marriages are in better places because you went through some tough times. I know it's been like that. In my house, we go through tough times and it makes our relationship better because it forces us, it forces us to have conversations that we probably have been neglecting and we grow from that. Little Could we have possibly expected how things would turn out? But it's the surprising way in which God can move in our midst. And I think about, in this past year, the surprising ways in which God has moved in our church fellowship to create deeper relationships. Who would have thought? Who would have thought after all these years, after all these years, because you think, you know, you just get settled. Just kind of get into a certain mode of relating with people. But after all these years, how God made breakthrough in our relationships with each other. And so many, for so many of us. I think about some of the uh, others of you guys. And who God has moved in surprising ways. Who have to wait for God's timing on things to a surprising result. I was, uh, I was talking with uh, Christine at son's wedding um, in between the dancing. So we, we sat down and, <laughs> and it was very sweet and funny how much she was gushing. She was just gushing about Jason. She was just gushing about her husband. A little bit embarrassing, but it was okay that moment. But she mentioned how Things happened on God's timing, and I think that's the truth for so many of us. I think that was the truth, that is the truth for so many of us. Anybody else feel that? Anybody else feel that? Where you get to a place in your life, and you look back, and your first thought is, I'm so glad, I'm so, I'm so glad, in one sense, that things didn't happen when I wanted it to happen but that things happened and God made me wait and God made me take the long way, I would have never chosen the the long way. I would have never chosen that path, but I'm so glad because that's the best thing that could have possibly happened. That's the surprising gift of God. And I know that some of you right now need a divine surprise in your life, and you're waiting for it. And I would not presume to tell you where you are in that story. I would not presume to tell you that it's just going to be a moment, it's just going to be another week or, or a month before the surprising ending is going to happen. Because sometimes, sometimes those story threads are meant to be lifelong. Lifelong. But I do know that the invitation of Christmas is to reclaim that part of yourself that says, I can be surprised. There is more to this life than my cynicism that says, I've been there, done that, I know what's going to happen. There's more to this life. That's what Christmas tells us. The invitation of this Jesus and at every Christmas, we're reminded of this. is to trust that life actually can have a true and genuine surprise and thrill us with the possibility of hope once again. So remembering that. Remembering that, would you all have a very Merry Christmas? And be ready for a surprise that you can't get ready for. Amen. Merry Christmas. And I want to ask for all of us to sing another song in response. Would you all stand with me as the praise team leads us in another song of Christmas worship. <laughs> we thank you so much for sending your son to us. And as we remember that, may we not remember that only with sentimentality about our childhood, about things that just makes us feel feel nice and warm inside, but rather help us to see the depth and the truth that impacts our lives in this world how this history has been changed because of this moment and of how incredible your gift is to us. May we live in that and may we expect you to surprise us in new and fresh ways every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.